0: Good afternoon Jack.
1: Hi Kate. I feel like we haven't
0: sat down to do this in a minute.
1: We haven't. It's really it feels good to be back.
0: I know it is. I missed this mic in my hand.
1: And I like doing <laughs> the intros at Gerardo's. Me too. It's homie here. It is homie and I like that he goes on walks.
0: Yeah he like makes himself busy. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I literally told him to. I'm like it's 15 minutes max like you can be there and
1: there's nothing you can't hear
0: like you're gonna listen to the whole thing again (laughs) right but he prefers to just you know let us be us I understand spread our wings
1: he is a sweetie in that way although Justin did call him a sourpuss today
0: he did well I've been calling him puss in boots full disclosure do you want to know why (laughs) I would love to (laughs) you already know but I'll tell the people so I i'm obsessed with animals obviously everyone knows this i so (laughs) i've been looking in to kittens preferably one brown and one orange (laughs) because i have these names picked out i'm not going to say them on here because i just i don't have them yet and there's some some things i need to work through to get them actually specific to where we live and that's (laughs) all I'll say on that but I went to the animal shelter or the adoption agency today with G and these kittens guys so cute
1: and they're they're brothers right they're boys they're
0: brothers they're both yeah they're both from the same litter and they literally fit in the palm of my hand he said that they're the youngest they've ever gotten in from a call like they get obviously newborns if the mom is pregnant but right. they've never been called to pick up mm-hmm. such young like such a young litter basically mm-hmm. he said they he thinks they were born four to five weeks ago oh my gosh they're tiny precious babies and, and one's orange and one's brown. One's orange and one's brown and um the reason we've been calling g a sourpuss or a puss in boots is because he doesn't have the same level of, of enthusiasm as i do
1: <laughs> Well, he's like, okay, I think he's going to come around to it because he's a dog guy. But once dog guys have cats and get to experience the same affection and love without the work and noise.
0: I know. It's no, it's going to be. Not that I don't love dogs. It's going to be world opening. And here's my theory. And I've actually been thinking about this. Cat people. Are better love, people. Well, love everyone and anything. Like, it's a fish. Adorable fish. I love your fish. It's a hamster. Cutest hamster I've ever seen. You
1: should have freaking seen me at Petco with the the little dragon guys. I sure. was losing my mind. Right. It's I wanted him so bad. It's
0: because you are accepting of all and you're a cat person. Dog people, on the other hand. Right. Only love dogs. Literally yeah. have no love to give to anything else. And they're so close-minded.
1: They are. And
0: honestly, I have two dogs. Like, I... I love dogs. There's, I'm not saying there's something wrong with loving dogs. Right. It's when you're a specific dog person. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's not even that you have to prefer cats. You just have to also love cats to be considered a cat person. You could still like prefer a dog.
0: You could never own a cat in your life. You can still be a cat person.
1: Right. Huh.
0: I think. I think like there's two mindsets out there. Okay. And there's the mindset of dogs rule the world and are superior and then there's the mindset that i'm loving and accepting of all animals (laughs) and i'm also a cat person (laughs) and that's just how i feel
1: yeah okay so how do you feel about the fact that your boyfriend is has a superiority complex
0: well i don't i haven't fully categorized him yet because he was getting pretty cuddly with those kittens today that's exciting picked him up he even said that one likes him more than me wow i'm really exposing you g but um we also walked through the dog area Mm. and he obviously was like i really want to get one of these and i was like that is what was
1: the dog area like heart-wrenching yeah
0: i teared up multiple times oh then this woman came over and was like do you want me to show you the like she had this other section of dogs that were like newcomers and i was like okay i just panicked obviously i didn't want to see them yeah and then i started crying and i had to leave yeah it was the whole thing i'm not i shouldn't be allowed at animal shelters no
1: i'm not allowed at them actually because it's too much i'm fragile yeah it is too much and i would i would develop a problem i've thought about fostering and i i can't because i wouldn't be able to give any back
0: i told gerardo like a lot of people have like plans for like retirement or when they win the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. mine is like I'm gonna grow old and just open like free range shelters and like rehabilitation centers. Wow, for animals.
1: You should do that right now.
0: I know. I just I um I'm like tired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you won't be when you're retired, <laughs> for sure.
0: I don't know. Like I'm I feel like. I'm like gonna have like a lot of drive to like do something then.
1: Okay, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I could do
0: it now. I could get you my could mom totally on board and she would oh, help gosh. steamroll the shit out of that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, another one to add to the list, I guess. Something
1: to look forward to <laughs> right after our protein bar company. We are doing that. I was actually thinking about that today. Me too. I it really was. Um, I believe that we can. So that's Let's me decide that right now.
0: Oh, no, we can.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: It's not if, it's when.
1: I agree. What'd you do? <sighs> today was pretty well, well, actually, no, it wasn't. I taught five forty-five a.m., and then I went home and worked a little bit, and then I trained with Augustine because it's Friday, and today was the treadmill day, and then I ran over to Coffee Dose to have a meeting, and then I took Matt Boren's 10.45 a.m., and then I had a doctor's appointment. What an eventful day.
0: Yeah. You always have like little appointments on Fridays.
1: Friday is for sure my appointment day. Although, guess what? I have two appointments tomorrow. Both of them beauty related. Whoa. How out of character is that?
0: On a Saturday. Honestly, um, we can both relate to this because we have pretty big significant trips coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, The beauty appointment like regimen before a trip for me like really stresses me out because I always want to put it off till like it's the closest to the trip yeah but then it it bites me because then like those valuable day day before yes you know hours of running around I'm like going to all these appointments when I want to be packing or like scheduling things for the trip I don't know I feel like there I haven't found the right
1: balance what is your pre-trip regimen
0: A depends where I'm going depends how long i'm going to be there for okay
1: just give me like a a general you're going on a trip
0: okay um so i'm going to africa next week and for that i'm doing a facial and a mani-pedi and then i was going to try to get a blowout before i go because like i love having fresh hair on a trip but as you know i'm like a curly girl method girly now Mm -hmm. so i don't think that'll be necessary take that guy off the docket and then i'm going to do brows with alex
1: Nice. I'm doing brows with Alex tomorrow,
0: so it's really just nails, brows, facial.
1: Yeah. Do you? You have to go to a different Manny Putty.
0: Yeah. Me and my mom are going together, which is actually gonna okay, be really fun. fun. Um, we're going to 1989 Salon. Let you know how it goes. Yeah. Never, never
1: been. Yeah, I would love a review.
0: Also, something we were commiserating on mm-hmm. in unison is like trying to eat healthy and like say on a
1: good you know routine before travel right you're being great about it i think i'm trying really hard and not like because i want to look any different for the trip necessarily but because i just really this trip is so highly anticipated so for those that don't know this is like technically mine and justin's honeymoon because we got married in 2020 so we like did like a little weekend trip in sedona because nothing was open um and so like this is our actual honeymoon now so there's just like so much anticipation and I just want to like feel my absolute best I know like I want to get on that plane with no inflammation with like no toxic chemicals in my body with like my body is not fighting because I poisoned myself with alcohol
0: that's what I was gonna say for me I get sick when I travel like eight times out of ten yeah it's like an 80% like okay I'm gonna get there I'm probably gonna have like a fever shoot. Okay, wow. No, it's really strange. Like, probably not normal.
1: Yeah, maybe you should talk to somebody
0: about that. Yeah. Well, I have. I talked to the naturopath. I haven't gotten sick since I... Like, other than COVID. (laughs) Since I started (laughs) those supplements. Like, the colds that I used to catch. Right. Like, I'm not catching them anymore. Yeah. But I get so sick, and it's like, I obviously know I feel better when I eat well, Mm -hmm. and I'm exercising. And then we recently found out that the places we're staying in Africa are... There's no gym access. And all of the meals are, like, pre um, – they're, like, packed for you, essentially. Mm. And it's, like, all planned out throughout the trip because it's, like, a guided safari. Right. So there's no, like, restaurant choice, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. And – which is totally fine and, like, such a luxury. But I'm not sure, like, I'm probably going to be eating a lot of seed oils and I'm probably, like, indulging a bit Maybe more. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean
1: – I mean, PB&J's was – Oh. the lunches oh okay got it
0: but it's gonna but be delightful
1: i would imagine i mean in general food is not processed anywhere as much as it is in america so
0: totally maybe but i just want to like be able to exercise and you like, could do yoga and run we can't run we have to be guided on the properties at all times okay we're in the middle of the sahara you can do yoga <laughs> I mean, I I didn't imagine you,
1: like, running 10 miles. (laughs) Just imagine you, like, running around the little area. (laughs) The area. (laughs) No, yeah. Maybe, like, walks. You could do yoga and bodyweight exercises.
0: Yeah. No, I can. In my room. Right. We'll see if that happens. It won't. Probably. Yeah, it probably won't. Also, we don't have service. So, unless it's, like, memory-guided yoga, which I don't have.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, Gerardo for sure does. Oh,
0: that's so true. I
1: didn't even think about that. I He's wonder if it. you guys will work out. He's a yogi. Um, I think when it works easily into the schedule, it will I like I could see us working out maybe two, three times a week, twice a week.
0: Me too. Well you'll you'll also be in like some hotels, so like yeah. it would be normal for there to be a gym.
1: And we'll be doing a lot of walking.
0: So much walking. Oh, I'm so excited!
1: But I don't think they will have a gym in our Sahara tour either.
0: Are you there for like multiple nights?
1: Three. From uh-huh. Marrakesh to Fez.
0: Oh yeah, but like there'll be gyms in Marrakesh. Like you're not in. Yeah, but we're staying at like tents. a little
1: riad. Like if we're not staying at like, you uh-huh. know, a fancy hotel. I don't think so.
0: Well, you know what? Body weight and yoga, Jack. Yep the same advice you gave me i'm gonna just throw it right <laughs> and right. <laughs> i
1: could run through the medina yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you should so. run
0: i guess i could also swim in the ingoral Goro crater we're also visiting that if we're taking in our natural elements you totally at our could. advantage i actually um, don't know if there's gonna be water in it this time of year mm, not sure gotta fact check that
1: yeah well, anyway, so both of us are kind of prioritizing all of the things that we really should prioritize in our day-to-day lives anyway. Like drinking a lot, a lot of water and eating well and exercising a lot and saunaing. I sauna twice this week and I'm doing it again. Maybe not actually until Monday now that I'm thinking about it.
0: You know who else sauna twice this week? You. Me. Wow. Look at us. I know. And it's especially, and I think the same goes for you. I was especially proud of myself because I... I hadn't saw it in such a long time.
1: How long did you stay in? Um, 45. Whoa. I didn't even get close. Mm. I did 25, 30. And 30 was excruciating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry to hear that. But I haven't sawn it in a while. I have so a hack. I'm building what? A sauna hack. Tell me. Um, A, put your legs up. Oh, what? That makes me feel even crazier. Oh. I, do do, I, do do I do do that. I do do that. I do do that. Um... It helps me.
0: I don't know why. And then also pick a show that's exactly the amount of time you want to be in there. For me, it's Selling Sunset. Mm, I don't watch TV when I'm in there. Mm. Oh, you're so much better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aren't you fancy? (laughs) (laughs) Do you just meditate? Um, Do you I, go full
1: no noise no sound no phone no oh I don't go phone TV. that would be crazy no sound I mean there's sound because classes are happening usually but I don't know that I yeah I guess I meant no I just sit in stillness mm. which I suppose is a form of mindfulness meditation but
0: that's crazy
1: yeah I just kind of I get great ideas in there
0: Me too. I've also like stressed myself out in there where I think of all the things I have to do and I'm like Mm. I'm in this stupid box like Kate what? Like go do them. (laughs) But I guess I could feel that anywhere. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cool. You know who I feel like might love the sauna?
1: I know she loves the sauna and she does it regularly not just for trips. Shit she's actually better than us she is legitimately better than
0: us and really a great teacher
1: yeah but this is why we have to have these people on people that it's important to have people that are better than you in your life yeah so our guest today is shelby and we met shelby at moxie um, as it tends to bring great people into our lives and she is a health coach And she talks a lot about her business and how she got started and why she got started and kind of her path of education, as well as uh, sharing lots of tips and tricks and important things to know about our health, about the products that we use, um, our day-to-day habits, and a whole lot more. Shelby, welcome to Friends with Health Benefits. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you here. I'm so excited for today. My introduction to Shelby was right after class. I had said something about 420, and it was actually so perfect that you came up to me because I got like really self-conscious about it after I announced it. When it comes to 420 at Moxie, we like celebrate every year and do a bunch of stuff, but we try to do it in a very respectful way like we have a very large sober community at Moxie. Two of my business partners are sober. Our investors are sober. So it's like
2: a touchy subject. Yeah.
1: So we try to do it like very respectfully and like focus on like the health and wellness aspects and prospects of it. But anyway, the way I announced it that day, I was like, oh yeah, 420. I don't even know what I said. Something <laughs> crazy. And then I was like, shoot, was I'm that like, insensitive? And then Shelby comes up and she's like, hey so 420 and I was like shoot I was like I offended someone and she's like I was I would love to do a pop-up did I'm like oh my god thank you yes (laughs) great let's do it and it was so nice and like eased my anxieties over that announcement that's so so funny I'm glad yeah
0: (laughs) me and Shelby's encounter was a little bit different oh really yeah (laughs)
2: what happened
0: (laughs) well she and her boyfriend or yep boyfriend moved in across the street from gerardo right and we always saw each other but then she saw me one day didn't exactly put me in the correct placement and then i saw her walking down the street one morning i was actually on the way to moxie and i saw like a light go off in her eyes and she was like (laughs) oh my God, are you the co-host on Friends with Health Benefits? Because I thought your
1: boyfriend had been cheating on you for the last Yeah,
0: and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm actually on my way to take Jack's class right now. And she <laughs> fully replaced me in her mind, and then we've been friends since. Right. That's
1: why you don't be nosy exactly. <laughs> yeah you might make a mistake or it's hard not to though
2: it is I was just doing the dishes and I was like I oh gosh
1: <laughs> who is this woman I know something I shouldn't know yeah. it's so true especially in complexes like that like you start to like learn people, people people's all the time yes oh my gosh I know way too much about my neighbors that live directly behind. it's crazy and yeah. they probably know way too much about us I'm sure like if I hear all their conversations <laughs> mm-hmm. they have to hear all of ours yeah it's unfortunate but you know apartment living yeah that was our introduction yeah it was very sweet we're good now yeah we're great my <laughs> dog's been cleared up like two <laughs> for 20 minutes straight so yeah. we're really close <laughs> oh my goodness what did your day look like today oh man
2: well it started with my dog freaking out which was just not the way I wanted to start the day. I actually got up early, did my dry brushing with my red light, and my dog just really wanted to go out, which isn't like him. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll go. And he just doesn't love other dogs right now. So what about (laughs) after the freak out? Um, After that, I started work, which is – I'm a copywriter full-time, so that's like my day job. And then pretty much did that, kind of condensed my day a little bit so I could get ready to come here and – Here I am.
1: Very cool. (laughs) Love it. So for those that are not familiar with you and what you do outside of bed bug detection and (laughs) copywriting, can you give everybody a brief overview of how you came to begin teaching others about nutrition and a little bit about your online courses and all of that? Yes. So I am a holistic nutrition coach
2: and I guess really that started when I was in elementary school. (laughs) But um, I officially got certified a few years ago, started my business two years ago, and um, I essentially help women figure out how to eat, read ingredients, and just eat in a way that supports their vitality. Feeling more energized, sleeping better, being in a better mood, not bloating as much. And it's not a diet, it's not about, you know, cutting out this and that, but it's just about learning about how food affects you. Why does this food make me feel this way? Why do I act this way after I eat this? So it's really, cause I started out my program, how I was taught in nutrition school, you know, te- give people meal plans, teach them how to eat. And after a couple of clients, I was like, I hate this. This is not fun. This isn't me. Like I so I stepped back and was like, okay, something's gotta change. And so i learned okay what was the most what was the most impactful lessons i learned in my food and health journey and it was learning about foods so going back to elementary school (laughs) i was always having stomach aches every day after lunch i would go to the office and say that i had a stomach ache and instead of them putting two and two together like okay she just came from lunch her stomach hurts they were like, she's about to go to Spanish class. She doesn't like Spanish class. (laughs) And so it was just this ridiculous feeling of, and especially as a child, like they think I'm lying about how I feel. And it was just this long journey of, okay, trying to not say how I was feeling because who has stomach aches every day, that's weird. And then finally, um, in high school, they got really, really bad. And my mom took me to pretty much every doctor under the sun that you can think of gastro surgeons, hormone specialists, regular doctors, allergists, everything. No one could find anything. So my mom was like, OK, let's just try things on our own. Why don't we try starting with cutting out gluten? I was Like, all right, I doubt that's it. Um, within a week, I felt so much better. Whoa. <laughs> I was a new person it was crazy even my mom was like oh you weren't like fat or anything you were just bloated like something was wrong with your stomach i'm like yeah no shit so that kind of started my journey um, because i would have to look at labels of everything so i would turn things around and start reading them looking for gluten and which i often found but also started wondering what is all this other crap in food like you see chemicals and colors and all these things so i just started to jump down the rabbit hole, looking into investigating all of these things and finding that they really weren't that good for you. And even though gluten is still an issue for me, I'm definitely intolerant. I find that I can handle some forms of it, you know, like a nice slow fermented sourdough. It doesn't affect me the same way a Wonder Bread would, right? Which I don't even know the last time I had Wonder Bread. I but thought
1: that was discontinued. Maybe that bread it is. Was crazy. That was stuff was. Well, insane. it was bleach in and bread sugar. form. Yeah. yeah, bleach and sugar. <laughs> bleach and
2: sugar in bread form. So, anyway, yeah, I started reading ingredients and diving down that rabbit hole, and then, I guess, flash forward to now.
1: I that's what I help women do as well. That's awesome, and I think so interesting because back then like back to high school gluten wasn't such a hot button topic so what was it that your mom knew or did she have any kind of background in nutrition that she thought gluten might be an issue no so
2: I actually had one friend um that was gluten-free and I met her in no middle school and she was like the gluten-free girl right (laughs) everyone knew like oh her lunchbox is different (laughs) Or like she's always got homemade stuff and like it was kind of you know even though she was my best friend I would make fun of her like yo what's with no gluten in your food right (laughs) but bread but I'm so glad like it was you know everything happens for a reason in my eyes and our friendship I really learned so much about gluten-free stuff and how to cook without it and it, it w- looking back, it was like, oh, wow, OK, if I didn't have that friend, I would have been starting from absolute zero, not knowing anything. Um, but how my mom figured it out, I really don't know. I have a feeling it was just the very, very beginning of the gluten free trend. And she was just, like, ahead of it somehow and was like, let's try this. And I was like, I'm in. I'll try anything.
1: Yeah, at that point. And it's Mm -hmm. so interesting, too, because I feel like we've talked about on the podcast before how there are so many symptoms like that, whether it be bloating or, like, a mild stomach ache or whatever the situation is that we all just assume is normal. Like, it's just part of everyday life. And it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with labels and ingredients. And we'll get into that. But just so much of the American food system and like lack of regulation within it leads people to think that these symptoms are just normal. And we move throughout day to day life being like, Oh yeah, doesn't everybody have like a low grade stomach ache all the time. Right. And we all kind of accept it and until it becomes intrusive of your life and like it's starting to affect things. And at that point, then you're having to like backtrack and redo all of this stuff and educate yourself because we're not getting that information anywhere else. And I think it's so great that like, there's this new industry of like knowledge sharing because it seems like that's more what you do rather than like being a strict like nutritionist like you were saying with a meal plan, like you just arm people with the information so that they can make like informed decisions for themselves.
2: A hundred percent. And I've actually had someone tell me that I have a very poor business model because of that. <laughs> but I tell everyone straight up on like all of my discovery calls and everything with clients, I say, I want you to not ever need me again. Like I want to equip you, like you said, with the tools to thrive forever, not just while you're paying me, you know, not while we're working together, but so that you can share this with other people, you know, go on, live your life. You don't need me.
0: (laughs) It's funny when you asked how her mom knew about like starting to eliminate gluten, because in my mind, I'm like, it's so funny because today you open your explore page and it's like, miles of just like ex- like try excluding this do this do that because the knowledge sharing industry is blowing up it's exploding so you mentioned you want to equip your clients like you don't need me I just want to share the knowledge do you have any other approaches to teaching or knowledge sharing and why you think those approaches work
2: no matter what kind of client I have whether they're working with me one-on-one directly as a private client or Or if I have them in an online course, the first thing I always address is mindset. And that can look anything like speaking to yourself kindly, um, talking yourself out of a bad mood, or stepping back before reacting to anything. And most people are open to it. I've had a few people be like, okay, let's cut to the chase. I want to quit bloating. (laughs) Like, we got to start here. And that's because so much goes into our health that starts in our mind you know if you talk shit to yourself all day you're probably not a healthy happy being and I can definitely think of times in my life where I was just mean to myself you know not like looking in the mirror didn't have anything nice to say um, even out with people and like seeing someone happy it was probably thinking something nasty about them <laughs> just because I wasn't happy so I start with mindset no matter what and I have clients that sometimes that's all they like Come back to me for it, like with their feedback. I can change their whole life with food. And they're like, I say kind things to myself. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, the, even if I just do that for people, that's huge because you're the only one you have at the end of the day. You know, you're the one that says, get your ass up, we're going to Moxie at 545. <laughs> get your ass up, we're going to get some sun. Like, it's so much easier. Like think of bad influences you've had in your life. If you've ever had friends that like weren't the best, you know, they would talk you into doing bad things. But if you had good friends that were like, hey, we have to, you know, go to this birthday party we said that we would go to rather than bail or little things like that. You know, the good friend is the good influence. So you want to be a good friend to yourself. So that's where I start all my clients with that has seems like nothing to do with food, but it has everything to do with it.
1: Yeah. And everything to do, I think, with habits in general, because if you're going at it at like I have to do this, I need to change this about myself, I need to fix this part of me that's broken or that I need to rework or improve or whatever, then it that's a completely different perspective and mindset and way of going at it rather than I care about my health. I am someone who prioritizes feeling good. And in order to feel good, I need to do well and do all of these things. And like that's a complete... Mindset shift that I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to eating, like we're so, especially as women, when it comes to eating, like we're so hard on ourselves about that and about exercising and wanting the results and all of that, rather than looking at it as like, I care about myself, I value myself, I want to feel good, and so I'm going to make these shifts and changes to make that happen. So it sounds like when you start a course, like you open with mindset, you open with perspective, and all of that. For anybody who feels like they have a ton of knowledge to share on any topic, whether it be nutrition or health or something totally different, could you share some of the tangible steps that you take when you're going to set out to design and create a new course and kind of how you think about it methodically?
2: When designing a course, the first thing you want to do is decide the goal of the course. Figure out what it is you want people to take away from the course and kind of work backwards. So you start with what the outcome is, how do I get there? It's kind of like if you ever had those um, puzzles, instead of starting from start, you would start from end thinking you're like hacking it, but you're really just starting from the other end. Anyway, maybe that was just me. Um, so you start with the end goal and you work your way back. So for me, the end goal is empowering women to feel their best through food movement and mindset and what are the things that can get me there so I just worked backwards and whatever that is whether your course is about how to buy your first house you don't just end up at a house you know what are the steps to get you there is there finances involved is there credit scores and checks and whatever I'm not a realtor but you start from the end goal is what has worked for me
0: that's super useful and I feel like a lot of times people want to cut corners but especially when it comes to your health and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier there's certain things that need to align before you can just hit your goal like whether that's weight loss anti-bloat whatever it is and it's hard to find a course especially online now where I feel like it's pretty saturated with online coaches that hits all the marks to get you to your actual destination. And I feel like yours really implements all components of that. But for anyone else that wants to start an online coaching service or platform, do you have any tips or recommendations or resources that you would categorize
2: as must-haves or nice-to-haves? Yes, so for must-haves is you need to be passionate about it because it's not overnight success like a lot of these online coaches like to make it seem like, join my course six figures overnight. It's like, I had a lot of lonely nights <laughs> in making my course. It did not happen like that. So you have to be passionate about it for sure. And I think that goes with any career choice. Um, and then for nice to haves, I know some people would disagree with me on this, but for nice to haves, outsource. You know, if you're not the best designer, don't design your course. Have someone else do it. For me, I would just rather do it all myself and I'm working on that, not doing that. <laughs> but if that's what gets you started and if you know outsourcing is a roadblock for you, make that a nice to have. For some people, that's a must have. But I think if I had one must, it would be finding a coach of your own that you really align with. Um, find someone that fits your goals you know if there's someone that helps people create online courses go with that person over the just one-on-one coach person so really just finding someone that you align with that can kind of hold you accountable even if they're not a one-on-one coach even if you just take a course by them just someone that can kind of give you a roadmap and say here's the path you know kind of follow this one and you'll be okay rather than just having to figure it all out on your own
1: Yeah, I think that's like one of the amazing things about the access to information that we have now is that we really don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like there's so much information out there and so many resources to pull from and so many people, and this comes up on this podcast a lot, that have done it. Like they've, spent those lonely nights creating a course like they've seen what works and doesn't work and I love people that make the choice to share that information with others and realize that just because it's a saturated market in one person's eyes like the right client is going to find the right coach and being so confident in yourself that you're willing to share the information you have with others so that they don't have to deal with the roadblocks that you did or the hiccups or mistakes or whatever. Those people exist and they're out there and just kind of like finding those is so important. And I think that you're somebody that people can look to for that as well. So when it comes to like the education piece for you, so you're a certified nutrition coach. When it comes to certifications and courses that are more formal like that, what would you recommend people look for, try to stay away from? And this comes up with like personal training, nutrition, whether you're trying to get your dietitians, all of that. There's so many different certifications out there. So what would you recommend people look out for and people seek? So
2: my education journey is a little interesting. Um, So in college, I got my yoga certification and continued learning about yoga and all that and became so passionate about yoga that I wanted to become a professor at a college and teach yoga. (laughs) And so I went to a local college um, where Kate and I were living at the time and I said, I would like to start a yoga class here. And they said, okay, great. Do you have a master's? I said, no, um, but I have over a thousand hours of yoga training. They said, okay, well, you need a master's. I was like, Okay, so I went and got my master's, and I have two classes left. Um, But since then, I no longer want to do that. I've switched gears to nutrition coaching, Um, and at one job I had, they wanted everyone to be a certified nutrition coach, and. It was funny because everyone else in the office was like Ugh, i have to do this course on top of work like this is ridiculous i'm like when can i sign up it was like my first day i'm like so when do i get my nutrition coaching certification <laughs> um so that was really exciting for me because it was paid for by my job which was awesome and i got to um, do it during work hours essentially and that's kind of what sparked that journey um so for me having my master's was kind of like a way to get into universities and colleges teaching yoga Um, but now it's just kind of like a nice to have and it sounds bad but it makes other people feel good sometimes Um, which I don't discredit like yeah I would rather a doctor perform a surgery than some guy who got a surgery certificate you know like I get the the feelings people have around it Um, so for me everything kind of just happened. I didn't specifically seek out certain education. I was really a lone wolf for a long time doing all my own research. So again, I think everything happens for a reason and all the certificates and education I do have now happened so that I could move forward and continue my nutrition coaching. Um, I'm currently also getting my NRT certificate, which is for nutrition response testing. So for that, seeing clients one-on-one in-person um that's something i think having those credentials will definitely help with based
0: on your journey it kind of sounds like you had like a real enthusiasm to learn which i find so refreshing because that's not always the case especially once you get into higher education it's often like get it done get it done like how fast can i get out of this so i love hearing that story that you were like sitting at the front of class like so eager to learn but what is it about online learning that you find the most exciting or the
2: most positive potential for your future? So I'll answer this a few ways as a student and a teacher. So as a student doing online courses, I think it's nice because you can go back and re-watch things, re-hear your professor, because I'm someone that I get distracted so easily. So in like college, at um, I went to University of Miami, sitting in class and hearing the teacher, I would like space out and be like, oh, crap, what did I just miss? (laughs) And So now I can just like rewind or pause or like go back. So for anyone that's that kind of learner, it's really nice in that aspect. Um, As a teacher, I like that I can help so many more people at once. So when I first started nutrition coaching, I was seeing one on one people and I could only take so many at a time but once I switch to online courses I can help an infinite amount of people you know a hundred thousand million people could buy my course in a month if they wanted to and I could never take that amount of people one-on-one.
1: Yeah I I wish so badly like I could go back and realize (laughs) what I actually wanted to learn about and I'm like very grateful and I'm very of the of the lane of like things do happen for a reason and I can draw like very direct lines from my education and experiences and where I moved to how I ended up to where I am, even though what I studied, I do not use ever. Um, But it's so nice. Like as somebody who did spend all of that time and energy and money in formal school settings to now have the opportunity to learn about things that I'm passionate about in this season of my life without having to do that because before this like knowledge sharing industry began you learned when you were in school and then that was it like then you left school and you worked and maybe you learned a little bit on the job and continued in that way but when it came to just like your passions outside of work and your career that was kind of it like you got it in school you got it in your general ed courses and then you were done maybe you read books like if you you know are passionate about something and are committed to that but now there's just an infinite possibility of what you can learn about in a somewhat structured way and having the opportunity to like grasp all of that knowledge and like decide what you're passionate about right now versus when you're 18 years old deciding what you're going to be passionate about for the next 50 years is so cool to me and like even just like the master classes and being able to learn from people that are experts in their field versus professors that have been at a college for 20 years and haven't actually worked in their field of expertise in decades is just so cool. And I think, like, has infinite potential for people.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, neither of my parents went to college. And actually, my senior year of high school, when it was time to apply to college, they said, you know, do you want to go to school or do you want to have a s- buy this bridal shop and you run it and mind you I had no like I wasn't a bridal shop girl <laughs> like I never dreamed about my wedding or anything <laughs> like that so I was like fuck no like I'm gonna go to college <laughs> like, what? but there's definitely days where I'm like why didn't I take that opportunity like that yeah. was such an incredible opportunity um obviously again everything happened the way it was supposed to but my parents were definitely like just start a business <laughs> right right
1: that's so cool Because I so so many of us and still this is the case and I think it's starting to shift a little bit at least for some people and in some places but like we're socialized to believe that like you graduate high school and then you go to college and then you get the job and then you stay at the job and then you get married and then you do the thing and then and it's just like step by step by step everything's planned out for us and I so badly wish I had known when I was 18 years old that like I didn't have to make that decision at that point I could have worked for a few years figured myself out figured what I was interested in and anything else and instead I just jumped and you know we figure it out but it's all good yeah would have been nice taking
0: a podcasting course next semester we're <laughs> really looking forward I know Kate's, <laughs> Kate that's got awesome. to learn from
1: everybody's mistakes she's like yeah,
0: I'm, I'm like just gonna dabble I'm like sending
1: Jack my classes I'm like this one looks fun <laughs> it's really cool though were your parents business owners? Is that why they were like gung-ho on entrepreneurship? Yeah. So
2: my mom was a personal trainer and now she's a feng shui designer. Um, oh my gosh. I just listened to a feng shui so podcast. So cool. Yeah. Not Ooh. just. It was like six months ago. But very, very into it. Yeah. It's, it's life-changing. Uh-huh. Um, and then my dad was a farmer. So I had very untraditional parents um, as far as careers go. So yeah, they were, they, my dad started driving produce around um, when he was like 12. So in upstate New York, and then started a business with his brother, um, his brothers and his sister and his dad, (laughs) they all started farming in Florida. Um, So yeah, they were all my, both my parents were not the traditional um, education route.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. And now that you're juggling both like a full-time day job and all of your online coursing, online courses and your one-on-one coaching. What do you do as an entrepreneur to manage one, just accountability with yourself and two, time management?
2: Um, well, it took a while for me to step and step back and accept who I am and I'm there's like four personality types or something and I'm a rebel. So if I set a schedule for myself, it's not happening. If I give myself a deadline, I'm not going to hit it. <laughs> so I really had to step back and say, okay, what kind of you know worker am I? What kind of person am I? And once I let myself just pre- be creative when I was creative and let myself work when I felt inspired and called to it, my programs and my services got a million times better. So I think the first thing is just knowing who you are and giving yourself that grace so if you're someone that needs everything color-coded and time-stamped be that person for me it didn't work so just not forcing myself to try and fit in a box that I thought I was supposed to be in like everyone kind of gave me this idea that entrepreneurs have to do it all themselves and you have to be on top of it and you have to schedule this and that and give yourself time and it just was too much for me. I just had to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to schedule my workouts. That's something I can commit to. And then I'll fit the work in everywhere else.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. I'm definitely a color coder. So, <laughs> I'm a rebel for sure. <laughs>
0: I'm like, yeah, I'm always like telling myself like, yeah, by 11 tomorrow, you'll have all of this done. And then it's like, but I could probably do it by one. Like it would still be fine if I waited till one. So it sounds like you're definitely outside of the box of the typical worker with the schedule nine to five, but I feel like you're also unlike the typical nutritionist or say 10 years ago, 15 years ago, what the typical nutritionist looked like. You're very anti-diet. You're outwardly like anti-label. So when encouraging your clients to shift to
2: a similar mindset, what nuggets of wisdom or mantras do you employ them with? For mantras, I really make them come up with it on their own. So, what I ask everyone to do, and this is a great exercise for anyone listening, if you can write a list or think of all the things that you say to yourself that are just not kind, like if you have a list you can make, I'm dumb, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm whatever, I'm late, I'm whatever, just on the other side of that piece of paper, write a positive alternative to that. I'm hot, I'm on time, I'm good. <laughs> like- <laughs> They're so simple, it's silly. And anytime you catch yourself saying one of those negative ones, you have something already to replace it with. And I always get people, what if I don't believe it right away? It's okay. Just keep saying it because you're not ugly, but you keep telling yourself that and now you believe it. So let's try that in a positive way. So I make people come up with their own mantras because it's more authentic to them. They're more likely to stick with them. Um, And then as far as food and nutrition goes, wisdom on that is really figuring out why you want to change the way you eat what because if you feel great you sleep well you want to wake up early in the morning you want to go to bed close to when the sun goes down you're in a good mood like if all of those things are working for you what are you coming to me for you know so people come to me because they want to change something so I first ask them to get clear on what that is so sometimes very often actually people will have a physical change they want to make i want to lose weight i want to whatever fit in this dress this outfit i have a wedding whatever but i say okay well why do you want to lose weight what's what's the benefit of that you know who cares and then they then it starts to come out well you know i'm tired or I can't wake up in the morning or I can't keep up with my kids. So there's all these other benefits that start to come out when you ask people like to get to the deeper rooted reason of why they want to make changes. And when you get to those deeper reasons, it's easier to make changes because how many times have you wanted to fit in a dress, but you haven't changed anything. But now that you can actually get clear, oh, I want to, I want to be able to play with my grandkids. I want to be able to pick them up. I want to be able to swim in the pool with them. Those are more motivating, I find. So I try and get people to figure out what those things are. That way, when they're faced with a decision, you know, for example, do I wanna go really quickly drive through fast food on the way home or do I wanna take 15 extra minutes and make food at home? They can kind of have a real motivator to say, okay, I'd rather just go home and make the food because I know it'll make me feel better. And that's something I try to tell all my clients, chase the feeling chase the feeling because the outcome may take a long time you know you may not ever fit in that dress that dress just may not be your size you know (laughs) how many times have we bought clothes oh fit in this I'll get there Mm -hmm. but it's just not our size so that's not a good goal the goal is to chase the feeling so that's kind of my biggest nugget of wisdom
1: yeah and I think that rings so true for me like that is when all of my habits shifted was when, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, was when I started seeing people in my family age in a very difficult way. Like I saw them experiencing chronic pain, developing chronic disease, and I'm seeing it, you know, I'm continuing to see it now. And then realizing that all of those symptoms that we've been talking about, bloat, headache, brain fog, stomach aches, all of those things that I was living with day in and day out was my body screaming at me to say like your habits are not doing well for you you are damaging your body and then in front of you you're seeing examples of what it's going to be like for you if you don't change and so obviously just like being a young woman in modern day I've always like wanted to be thinner like I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I was like this is the exact size that I want to be I'm perfect right here (laughs) like I don't I don't know very many women that have ever felt like that But that wasn't motivating enough for me. Like I would go on diets, I would lose weight, I would exercise, I would, you know, my body would change and then I would fall off. And this has been the first time where now I can say it's been like several years that I've stuck to something and it's because I completely shifted my perspective and realized that like, yeah, my weight's going to fluctuate, it's going to go up and down with life and seasons and whatever else. But ultimately, like what I want is to feel good every day and to know that I'm setting myself up for a future where as I age, I'm able to do so gracefully, and I'm able to do so where I'm still able to enjoy my life to the fullest for as long as humanly possible. And I think that's luckily something that's shifting in the wellness and fitness and nutrition space in general, but still something that like all of us, especially women, can get so much better at. And I know this is something that you've talked a little bit about in terms of how you self-motivate and how you think about your former self and your future self in order to kind of steer you in the right direction and kind of like keep you principled and keep you motivated. So can you talk a little bit about that approach and that mindset and kind of walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So I was a very angry little girl. (laughs)
2: I was so like just angry and depressed and mean and just not what a child should be so when I look back on her and I'm like you could have had so much fun like why didn't you laugh more it's sad so I want to make sure that not only I can live that joyful life that I feel like I sometimes missed out on a little bit but also so I can provide that for my future kids um what's kind of crazy is that women have a way bigger impact on the health of their children than men do. We think, you know, it should be kind of equal. I, that's what I thought. And so when I found out that women's health is really the defining factor of our children's health, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be the reason this kid's all fucked up. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like, i I got to make some changes. Of course women and are responsible. Of oh, course. Yeah. Well, we're the only ones that could do Special. it, right? <laughs> so... I, yeah, I don't, I never want my future kids to feel the way that I did. Like, I mean, I was way too young to be feeling some of the things I was feeling, you know, things that you just, you're, you would be devastated by. So when I think back to that, I'm like, I can never feel that way again. I, not only for myself, but the people around us, you know, I, I, I know times when I wasn't in a great place and my boyfriend would be like, it's so hard to come home and see you sitting on the couch, which is, there's nothing wrong with sitting on the couch, but like, that's just not me. I'm always doing something. Either I'm outside or I'm working or I'm cooking or doing a new project. Like sitting on the couch was his signal, like something's up. So that that motivates me to like never return to that sad, mean girl (laughs) and just like continue to be this happy, healthy ever evolving person.
0: I think when you know both sides of the spectrum too it really helps you to kind of just take your own temperature of like this is not my normal like something's off here so it's really I mean you never want someone to go through like a dark time to know the other side of it but it is actually a helpful tool if you have endured that to kind of like tap into that and be like this isn't me you know.
2: Yeah and what's actually almost more sad sometimes is people think that there's no way this could get better kind of like what you were saying you know bloat I thought was normal or I thought these stomach issues were normal so did I so we all kind of accept these very abnormal symptoms as normal because we don't know that there's any other way I thought oh well I'm just the bloated girl for my whole life (laughs)
1: <laughs> there goes Shelby, the bloated girl.
2: Little exactly. Miss Bloated. <laughs> totally. And so once I started changing things and like my habits and my eating and my bloat started to go away, I was like, oh, I'm in control here. And so right. giving people that reminder, like you have total control over the way you feel, the way you look, the way you act every day. You're just making decisions that make that really hard to do. Totally.
0: It's really important, like people like you now sharing that light and wisdom with other girls that may be feeling that way. And I'm sure we all wish that we had that when we were younger too. So gosh, yeah. Okay. Some of
1: the things that I did, man. Oh like my gosh. And like yeah. it was just so crazy when yeah. I think about it. I'm like, how oh, did yeah. I, what was I thinking? No, we weren't. Babies. Guys, I would eat Miguel's Junior every single day. <laughs>
2: Wait, I actually t- told people um, recently to comment their like cringiest breakfast choices on one of my posts. I did oh, see that. Oh my gosh, the answers!
1: Right. You're like Powerade and Pop Tarts.
2: On... <gasps> um, I mean, mine was a light roast black coffee from Starbucks with cinnamon cake and fruit. Like, are you kidding cinnamon me? Cake. No wonder I was so mean, That <laughs> like... is Your blood sugar. I Whoa. Know. <laughs> but yeah, there was. It's a good read if you read through some of them. It's like,
1: oh yeah, yep. Power- that and a pop tart (laughs) so wild (laughs) that's crazy
0: on your instagram you do share a lot of fun reels and just like infographics sharing kind of like random bits of knowledge like that like what your old breakfast used to be but you recently shared that our makeup and skincare products may be contributing to weight gain or inability to lose weight can you talk a little bit more about that and the factors that go into that
2: yes so it's not just makeup and beauty but i will cover that so something i also cover in my programs is not just food it's environmental toxins and i i joke that all of my clients are the i'm doing all the right things girls because so often people come to me shelby i'm eating well i'm drinking water i'm exercising what gives and I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at your detergent, your skincare products, your favorite water bottle. And they're like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, let's take a look. We just looked at our water bottle <laughs> to make sure it was metal because <laughs> I was going to freak out. The reason environmental toxins are so important to consider and understand is because there are things called obesogens, which is such an ironic name for them, ogens. And there are so many obesogens to cover, but I think I'll share like three or four of the most common ones. That way people can kind of have those on their radar. And some of them you probably already have on your radar. So for example, BPA, you look for BPA free things. Um, but what people don't realize is it's in a lot more than just plastic containers. So it can be found in floss. It can be found in shower curtains. It can be found in, like I said, children's toys and, um,
1: even make up containers so do people have to put whether or not there's bpa on it if there is like can you read that on most labels
2: not necessarily it's not very closely monitored but the people that are doing things right will always say bpa free
0: i was gonna say they're probably more so advertising that it doesn't
1: right the mock total bottles say bpa free so wow great <laughs> and it's spring water. But I you know there's they're a lot to go glass, down with that yeah. road too. So yeah. one thing at a time. Yeah, ladies. we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Out here. Totally. So
2: okay, BPA is one. That's a very common one. Most people know that one. Another one is um, PFOA, which is in Teflon, like non stick cook non-stick cookware. Um, so that's a tough one. I always try to get people to use stainless steel. It's a little cleaner that way. Um, PFAS that is the quote unquote forever chemical that you find in things so and oh another big one sorry I think I'm going a little more than three or four <laughs> um fragrance people hate when I bring this one up but fragrance it's a major major endocrine re- disruptor so fucks with hormones and sorry I just I was gonna say something about iron line so but keep going mm <laughs> I was so excited to see them in the moxie shower, by the way, I, um, on Wednesdays usually, but I'm here today. Um, on Wednesdays, I usually do sauna, take a cold shower and then do, um, breath work. And the first time that I went, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to shower. If I'm just going to like wet myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw saw iron line in there. I was like, yes, great. (laughs) Shower. Yeah. Yeah. So like and that's how strict I am with it because I'm not going to rub these chemicals all over my body that I've worked so hard to feel good in. And um, some other issues with obesogens, like you mentioned, you know, I, I posted about they can cause weight gain. And that's because they can increase your appetite. They can create, you, create more insulin resistance. They can like I said, disrupt your hormones. There's just a laundry list of issues that these obesogens can have on our bodies without us ever realizing it. Um, And that's something that I realized when I switched my detergents. I started getting bad rashes all over my body at one point. And I was like, again, I'm doing all the right things. What gives? And then I had to start looking at my detergents, perfumes, body washes, lotions, all these things. And it was like my rabbit hole moment all over again with the food, just looking at these labels, what the hell is all this stuff? So quick recap, obesogens to look out for. BPA, fragrance, PFOA, and PFAS, which I'll actually dive into because it's kind of crazy. Have you heard of P- PFAS? Is yeah. that what's in Teflon? No, that's PFOA. Okay. Um, PFAS is, like I said, the forever chemical. And it can be found in most notably recently um, sparkling water. So the, we'll do a little trivia. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, What do you think is the worst sparkling water? Topo Chico. Oh, we know it. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. All
0: right, see, nothing I've to be nervous yelling. at all. Okay, so the boys at Moxie pound Topo Chico's like five a day, probably sometimes more on some days. And I've been telling them for like two years now, since before the pandemic, I read an article that it contained the highest metal count. They did like a giant survey of all these different sparkling waters and I screenshotted it and I sent it and I'm like, you guys, we should look out for this. And then recently, I think it was like a month ago, maybe like two weeks ago, I I read that or reread an article about the Forever Chemical that they found in Topo Chico's and I sent it again, and they're like, we don't know. This is real. And I'm like, oh, guys. Well, yeah,
2: well, but their response is also like, well, it's better than smoking Oxy. So first red flag is Coca-Cola owns Topo Chico. And then, so once this study came out by EWG saying, you know, Topo Chico has the highest PFAS parts per trillion, at they were at like 9 point something. Let's just say 9.5. And you want to have less than one. So... Coca-Cola, being the PR geniuses that they are, they caught wind of this. So they put out a statement and said, you know, we care about your health. We're on top of it. We've cut our PFAS by more than 50%. And so to the average consumer, they're saying, wow, that's incredible. But if you look at the number, well, what's half of 9.5? It's still way above the, you know, recommended amount. So just question everything. If you take one thing away from me, question everything.
1: (laughs) That's great. I Robert actually did see that and like talked about it, and he was like, "They fixed it. They changed it." Like he literally did exactly what she just said. he, he, he like read. I can't the, wait to send this exact clip to him. <laughs> He's gonna be so mad. excited. Gotcha. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Okay, there. so we talked a little bit about ingredients to avoid in skincare and beauty products and plastics and all of that, and I'm sure the list is forever long. Um, But we also talked a little bit about the importance of not only what you eat, but when you eat it. So you said that you used to have a cinnamon coffee cake and fruit and coffee in the morning. (laughs) And now you talk a lot about how eating protein rich breakfasts with fats um, is important in the morning. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important, how those two food groups kind of interact with one another and why it's so important to do that early in your day? Definitely. So
2: even without looking at the research or any of the evidence, think of any time you've woken up and had went straight for something sugary, you know, cinnamon cake and coffee or a croissant and a tea, whatever it is. You just go, you start this blood sugar roller coaster for yourself where you get cravings and then you crash and then you get cravings and you crash. So you want to make sure that you're doing what a, um, glucose Goddess If you don't follow Glucose Goddess love her. She's um, amazing
1: Did I send it to you? I don't know Ugh.
2: I just finished her book And it was awesome um, But she really reiterates The benefits of balancing Your blood sugar And it's not just for diabetics It's not just for women With PCOS, PCOS. Everyone should be Balancing their blood sugar And that's because It's linked to things Other than insulin Like moods And weight And um, hormone balancing And health So If you start your morning with a protein and a fat, even a smart carb is fine or even a carb at the end of the meal is okay, but that just sets you up for success for the rest of the day. So your blood sugar is gonna be much more regulated. It's gonna be much more balanced and that will lead to less cravings, less of that hanger that we all are very familiar with, I'm sure. Um, So starting your day, and it doesn't have to look like Eggs and avocado. You know, there's no such thing as breakfast food. Breakfast is when you break your fast. So, any food that you can break your fast with is a breakfast food. I'll have leftovers sometimes. I'll have what some people would consider lunch. I'll have arugula salad and salmon. Like, it's just whatever you can start your day with that will set you up for success, such as proteins, fats, and maybe a carb at the end. I used to start my day in a crazy way. Join the (laughs) club. Were
0: you going to say something? No, I wasn't. Way too recently. Like I'm talking (laughs) three months ago. I used to have literally every single morning a giant bowl of oatmeal with a bunch of fruit and a bunch of nut butter and just would absolutely derail my blood sugar levels for the rest of the day. And I can be a testament that You get crazy cravings when you do that. I used to eat insane. Like I would have cold stone like every Yo, what's your order though? Okay, (laughs) I actually, I really like the peanut butter cup perfection, but you have to sub the fudge for brownie.
1: I don't understand how you still go there. It blows my mind. Okay, Oh,
2: today? I
1: don't go there anymore. (laughs) I literally... Don't lie to her face. (laughs) I used to go...
2: It's my boyfriend's like favorite, so no shame.
0: Way
1: more, I swear.
0: Like way more.
1: And you know what you did is you normalized it for Justin. (laughs) I did. We never, ever, like... He for, to, and then he started postmating it for oh, dessert oh, yeah. only <laughs> when I'm out of town. It is crazy. <laughs> for that. dessert, we would go to press. So pressed, you make him feel bad like, about full it. Full stop, we would go to press. Right. And all of a sudden, he started being like, What about cold stone? And I yeah. was like, Are we in seventh grade? Like, <laughs> where did this, I don't even know where a cold stone is. I still couldn't tell you. It but came it's from because me. of you.
0: It came from me directly from the source. So I'm, <laughs> and now I start my day with like three eggs, some siete tortillas. It's great. Some avocado, but I know firsthand that that does not set you up for success. Like, no, just the no, first one to tell it you.
2: doesn't. And you know what? It, it's I fell in the trap for a while, too. So there's n- absolutely nothing to feel guilty of. But oats were very trendy. Like, look
1: at my beautiful opal. The opal pages. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there used to be
0: Instagram accounts for opals.
1: I believe there still are. I told you about the oat shop that was around <laughs> the corner from my old apartment. That place was crazy. Although I did, I would get the savory oats, which had eggs and bacon right. and stuff. Are oats a smart carb? What's a smart carb? <laughs> <laughs> As so opposed to a stupid one. A
2: few things to respond to all of that. Smart carbs would be things like. Sweet potatoes, carrots, um, even, you know, soaked rice is fine. Any carbohydrate that's not a pastry, essentially. Like, that's an easy way for people to remember that. I don't necessarily try and tell people the specifics of what carbohydrates are at a molecular level. But when you think of carbs, we often think of bread, pasta. And those can be problematic when they're not dressed in proteins and fats predominantly. So... Like I said, a smart carb could be sweet potatoes, carrots, um, even sourdough, even though it's not, you know, perfect. If you dress that with eggs or beef or anything that's not going going to contribute to a glucose roller coaster, but help balance it like a protein, totally fine. Um, and then on the Cold Stone note, because <laughs> I think it's important. So... We laugh because we know Cold Stone is full of shit. It's crappy ingredients. But what I try to share with people is once you make a majority of your life about real food and fueling yourself well, you don't feel bad about the Cold Stone. Like when, cause my boyfriend loves Cold Stone. It, we had ice cream on Saturday. We went to Saffron and Rose and like definitely has a ton of sugar in it. But we don't feel bad because Ninety percent of the week we eat light kings. <laughs> like kings, you know. Right. Like you don't have to feel guilty about it. But yeah, when it becomes an everyday thing or you're post-mating it, like we ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> we ask questions. That is true. Don't we? easy thing that
1: happened.
0: <sighs> so moving on from Coldstone, you talk about optimizing your detox pathways and. That being key to achieving the majority of our health goals. So can you just break down layman's terms? What are our detox pathways and how do we optimize them?
2: Totally. So first, the reason our detox pathways are important is because, yes, we can control a lot of what goes into our body or what's around us, but not everything. You know, you may go into a store that has fragrance sprayed on everything, even the clothes that you buy, or you go outside and you know, someone just sprayed chemicals or something. We're not, we don't have control over everything. So, making sure that our detox pathways are open and optimized, which we'll get into next, is key so that they're not living and staying in your body. So, the first one, very simple sweat. When we sweat, we're getting rid of toxins. So, you're probably thinking, well, everybody sweats. But do we? So think about um, deodorant. A lot of people buy deodorants that make them stop sweating. And so our armpits have our lymph nodes right around there. And that's how we sweat. So if you're blocking those and you're saying, hey, don't don't come out here and <laughs> stay in there, then you're just letting all those toxins build up. So sweat is super important, but letting yourself sweat. So. And I'm not saying everybody quit deodorant, like, go for it, even though, like, great, I would love that. Um, You have to make sure that you're ready for that. You know, when you've been wearing deodorant or antiperspirant your whole life and then decide to cut cold turkey, you're going to smell. And that's why so many people give up on the natural deodorants because they're like, but I stink. I'm like, yeah, because your body's begging to get rid of the junk in you.
1: It's so hard. That's Shall where we? I'm at right now. Mm. I, and I don't even know it's that I smell bad, it's just that I smell different now. A good way to gauge that is
2: to ask your partner. So ask oh, them. Oh, won't tell me. No,
1: that's the problem. He tells me I wake up in the morning and my breath doesn't smell. I'm like, that's, you're a liar. Okay. That's great. That's
0: my problem. He's like, Did, well, he, he asked me, I ran out of my natural deodorant. So I had to use my, I had a backup. One of the really bad ones, probably like secret or something. I don't know. And he was like, did you start using deodorant again? And I'm like, oh, my God. So, you knew? (laughs) I'm like, you liar. (laughs) And he's like, no, like, I really couldn't tell. But this one just smells different. Like, I like it when you smell. I'm like, you are lying to my face. Just Oh, Justin just says I don't. I'm like,
1: you either have a problem. Right. With smell. And you should (laughs) see somebody for that. Or you're lying to my face. How long did it take you to feel like you
0: like were smelling just normal? Or just that you didn't know. Well,
2: what you may not want to hear is I just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't care um, because I was so desperate to figure out what was wrong. And, right. you know, I was willing to try anything. And so you kind of just have to let yourself do it for a while. And there is a brand that has, like, a detox protocol. They'll, like, help you um, wean, off. wean off of it. Exactly. Which I never did, so I can't attest to. But there are options what is that called kaya naturals i use their deodorant but they have like a detox program do they have i'm like definitely gonna look that up green packaging no it's a white bottle with black stripes okay never mind that. i'll send it to you oh, yes. it's we'll my favorite
1: it. we'll it. i went on a hike today and it was really hot and i feel like i don't you smell went on bad a hike today oh my god my day's been crazy i didn't even get to talk to you about it <laughs> <laughs> no idea who you are perfect <laughs> i feel like i smell all
2: right but I all have a natural scent, you know, just like dogs know when you're home before they see you. They're like, mm-hmm. I smell them. And that's because we all have a natural scent. So, and it's not necessarily bad. We're just so used to everything smelling like pumpkin spice and vanilla bean, you know, <laughs> like right we're just so used to the fragrances that we forget what just natural bodies just, smell yeah. like.
0: I'm assuming you don't wear perfume.
2: I don't. Yeah, that was it. It was hard. To, I wanted to for a long time. I really, that's something I resisted. I was like, I want to wear perfume. And then I just, I'm a real low maintenance girl. You prioritize so. everything <laughs> else over perfume. So I was like, whatever. So, okay, sweat is one way. Okay. So, oh, yeah, Detari. <laughs> no, it, that's all important. Over here. <laughs> Very important. Um, So sweat is an important way to detox. And obviously you can do that through movement, exercise. You sweat Um, on days that are either like a rest day or whatnot. That's when I'll really try and do sauna. It's like, okay, I'm not going to exercise, so I should sweat another way. I'll go to the sauna. Um, And the way that you optimize these detox pathways is, A, by not blocking them with things like antiperspirant, um, nurturing your lymphatic system. So things like dry brushing, sauna is also great for lymphatic, massage. um, That's really where all the waste in our body travels. So
0: have you read about or heard about any of the like anti-bra for lymphatic?
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't worn a bra in decades. Okay. (laughs) Not that I need to. I'm going (laughs) to talk about
0: this on our solo episode coming up, but I was crazy. I went on vacation with Jacqueline recently. And she came out, and actually, this is perfect, this exact top, very tight, she slept in it. And Uh, I was shocked because that is when your body, like your lymphatic, you're laying down, you need the circulation. I didn't know. I know. (laughs) I thought it was common knowledge, so I told her, I'm like, your mom didn't tell you that? Oh, my mom. Okay, yeah, we don't, yeah, we get it.
2: Anything that's tight or restricting, you want to just let your body breathe. But it's mostly the wire bras because they're just like a wire right up against your body, a metal digging into you. Right. So, yes, very much against that. And, and I understand women that are a little more busty than I often say, but my boobs. <laughs> right. yeah. And um, there's absolutely bras that don't have wire that will offer support. And, yes, maybe they are a little tighter throughout the day but do you have to wear them all day
0: you know right pick and choose your time yeah there's a skims bra that i'm gonna link it's really really
1: good
2: No, you know, no, no I, wire i tried to get a skims bodysuit recently and it looked like it was for an american girl doll i couldn't oh my get gosh. it on
1: i have the what are they called oh like the, the shapewear underwear oh yeah guys. the core control i have to throw them out like i've tried to wear them <laughs> enough times it's absurd like it It does the opposite of what I want it to do because they're so tiny. (laughs) Right, Like it looks like they're made for a three-year-old. Yeah, that's how my bodysuit was. I returned
2: it. I was so mad. Did you get the one that's like, it's like supposed to be sculpting?
0: Or did you get just a normal-ass body I don't body know.
2: Skin? I clicked on an influencer's link. It looked good on her, so I thought it would look good on me. You'll have to. <laughs> of course. I'm going to send you, actually, some things that
0: I think you would like from Skims, because I okay, think it's me. all about what you try from them. Kate's a big Skims girl.
1: I really mm. am. Well, I love the fluffy pants. Love. What are they called? The cozy collection? Yeah, the yeah, cozy. I have those. You hand me down those to me. I did. I didn't like those
0: ones specifically. <laughs> I love those.
1: I wear them all the time. See?
2: I like Comfy clothes. Anything tight is like, I'm not gonna be in it long. (laughs) I'm ready to go home. (laughs) Totally.
1: I I had no idea. I'm comfortable in my aligned top. I don't know, so I wore it to bed. (laughs) Whoa. I guess great. Now I sleep topless because you stressed me out. Perfect. That's much better. I love that. That's how you should sleep. Bottoms only. Wait, is Winnie the Pooh bottoms only or top only? Top Top only. only. Oh shoot. I'm a bottoms only girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. One thing that people are realizing is that our habits, including nutrition, fitness, et cetera, they all impact our mental health. So can you share more about how what you can eat can also impact your mental health and how to eat if you have specific mental health ailments like depression or anxiety? Definitely. I will say
2: I'm not a doctor. Of course. Console your physician <laughs> with any major changes. Um, but yes, 100%. So, any most ailments in the body stem from inflammation, if not all. So, you want to avoid inflammatory foods, which, unfortunately, if you go to the grocery store, is pretty much everything. So, what I try to explain to people, and like I said earlier, is just to educate people on what these foods do to you, how they make you feel, and assess if they're worth it. So sticking to real food is always a good route. Meat, animal protein, vegetables, fruit, raw dairy, um, water, you know? (laughs) Like, just the real food is where it's at. So especially if you have anxiety or depression, and I absolutely did growing up. Um, I don't think I would have known that's the word for what I was feeling or why I was acting certain ways, but looking back, that's totally what was going on. Um, and I didn't grow up in a necessarily healthy household. Yes, exercise and movement was a part of my upbringing and it was emphasized, but I ate terribly. I My family ate out at restaurants for practically every meal. So I was just saturated with um, canola oil, seed oils, just things that weren't good for me. So it's kind of all light bulb moment for me when I tied that all together with how I was feeling and how I was eating. So if someone is finding themselves eating a lot of processed foods, then you have to kind of look at your moods and your behaviors and say, okay, are these aligning with what I want to be, who I want to be, how I want to act, the kind of friend I want to be, the kind of partner I want to be, and see if there's room for change. Um, And when I say processed foods, because of course, everything on some level is processed, you know, even beef, we, it doesn't just show up on our plates as ground beef, it was processed to get that way. But processed foods in the sense that it's filled with seed oils, it's filled with artificial ingredients, it's filled with preservatives, and something that's really devastating for children is colors and dyes these are so so not only inflammatory but they have a direct relation to ADD tumors cancer all these colors are just so unnatural and they directly affect children and we think okay well when they have candy it's because the sugar and they're just hyper it's like no these dyes are actually hijacking their brain and telling them to just go haywire so definitely cutting out those things would be helpful for mental health. But it goes back to mindset, you know, cause I'll have an occasional ice cream and not spiral. It's because I know to, how to get back on the bandwagon. I know how to speak to myself and that doesn't happen overnight. So I think in addition to cleaning up your diet and switching up your foods is also just accepting that it's not gonna happen in one meal. Yeah, I think
1: the dye thing is crazy because it's illegal in most countries, right? And it is in so many things in America.
0: Those crazy YouTube videos where they'll take like a pack of Cheez-Its or whatever and they'll flip the labels and ours have double the amount of the ingredients as the one in the UK. It's astounding. Like a full extra paragraph of ingredients.
1: Can you speak to that at all? Like, about just like the American food system and ingredients and what's not regulated here that is elsewhere? Like, any hot button ones that just blow your mind? Oh, I mean, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> She's but like how long?
2: <laughs> as for speaking as to why, I don't know necessarily why. I know that we are a much more money focused society and healthy people just aren't profitable so how can we keep people sick and that's such a daunting idea for most people to hear but when you actually step back and look at the systems that we're all unfortunately a part of it all makes sense you know so without diving too much down that rabbit hole it's just sad you know and it's it's really in our hands to make the change because if you keep buying all of these things the demand stays so the production stays but if everyone steps back and says i don't want that in my food then maybe things will start to
1: change right because lord knows like i mean lobbyists are so powerful and Mm -hmm. money obviously in politics is so powerful in the us and there's like such a direct correlation between campaign finance and all of the laws and regulation around all of this stuff it is really incredible but In particular, like when you're looking at examples like that of flipping a label over and seeing how it's the same company, it's the same producers, it's the same food, it's the same logo, it's the same everything, and you flip it over and we have double the ingredients and all of those extra ingredients are things that you can't pronounce or have never heard of or are these kinds of dyes and things like that. It's just, it's super unfortunate that people have to be extremely well-informed in order to be healthy.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are really hesitant, rightfully so, to step back and question these things. Nobody wants to believe that someone is intentionally doing harm, but it's just the reality. You know, when you look at these two, let's just take Kraft macaroni and cheese, for example, you look at them side by side, and there's more dyes and preservatives in the American version. Well, the more delicious this product is the more people are going to buy it and then the more they buy it the more they're going to give it to the people around them like their children the more their children want it the more they're going to buy it so you just get stuck in this loop and if that sounds wildly unlikely just think of marketing funnels once you're in that funnel you're getting the emails you're getting the texts you're getting the discounts and so when you're in the food system funnel you just keep getting fed these foods in different forms. You know, so many companies will go out of business, quote unquote, and then just reopen with the exact same formula under a different name. So question everything.
1: Yeah. And I think on the on that same note is like there are these huge companies that own smaller brands like you're talking about with Coca-Cola and Topo Chico and Coca-Cola owns Dasani too, right? Which is like the The worst worst water ever (laughs) the worst water ever I hated that water before I knew
0: anything about it yeah
1: but people like we don't know and it's Mm. just incredible Uh, like these I mean monopolies truly exist and they're able to hide under all these different brands and logos and marketing and all of that and I think especially now when it comes to health like on the good side of things like people are being more intentional about their health and what they're putting in their bodies but now all of these huge companies are coming up with smaller sub brands that they own that they remarket and so now they don't have like the bright colored labels it's like this matte neutral looks healthy like and they're marketing at places like mothers or whole foods or whatever and then you flip it over and it's all the same shit it's just that the box looks different
2: totally and a lot of these even well-intentioned small companies start out doing good sometimes. And then, you know, Primal Kitchen is a perfect example. Heinz bought them and they weren't, (laughs) they weren't on the best track before that. But even if they were a perfectly great brand and I still use some of their products, I'm not saying like, you know, boycott Primal Kitchen. (laughs) Some of them you should, but the The money is what really draws these people in because running a business is no joke, especially like a global nationwide food business. If someone can't like you're grinding, you're tired, you're getting lawsuits left and right and like problems and someone comes over and says, I'll offer you eight million dollars to let me have that. Take it, you know. So it's really enticing and we you can't Put all the blame on the small businesses because, hey, they're just tr- they probably started their business to make a living so if they can just sit back and make that living. Why would they not do that for their family? So kind of have to, you know, really focus on the bad guys here. People want to fight over, you know, who's right and wrong about what to eat. But it's like, let's fight the actual bad guys, <laughs> the bad the- corporations that keep poisoning us not someone that says it's not that bad for you or show me the studies like those aren't the people to be fighting with ignore them focus on the corporations that continue to produce poisonous foods yeah I think there's that side of things can be difficult yes and it's so weird when people want to get defensive like with other health practitioners and I'm not saying all health practitioners are perfect absolutely not but it's just funny when people like that come and try and get at you it's like all right dude i actually had someone on tiktok come make because i was i posted like oh i made clean reese's cups and whatever that's just what i called it and they were like oh did you wash it with soap (laughs) like dude you have nothing better to do (laughs) right
1: Anyway, crazy. Remember the guy that commented and was like, I'd rather die than take a group fitness class yeah. or something. I was like, We posted okay. a group
0: fitness reel and he was like, Yeah, it's like I
1: died before I
0: did one of those classes. Yeah, it's like okay. It's like great. We are not forcing you to Don't do it. Do your workouts alone? <laughs> yes. So these large food corporations are huge contributors to the bloating that has truly <laughs> plagued our nation. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like I know so many people that that's something they complain about regularly. Yeah, bloat. Can you dive a little deeper into the external factors that may cause our bloat?
2: Yeah, there there are so many, and I'll speak to one that was really true for me and probably a lot of people is stress. And we just think, you know, stress is bad for you, but we don't know why, or we don't really look into why, but. I think you guys have talked about the gut-brain connection before and it's just all in line with that. You know, when you're stressed, your body is stressed. We're not separate. We're all in this together. So when we feel stress, every part of our being feels it. Our, Our stomach is not able to digest as well. Our detox pathways have trouble detoxing and bloat is just a side effect of Both of those things. So when we don't control our stress, when we don't take time to ground ourselves, bloat is just a natural side effect. And often people will try to just target bloat. They're like, okay, but how do I get rid of the bloat? It's like, well, what's causing the bloat? That's what we have to focus on. So it's things like certain foods. It's things like stress, these environmental toxins like obesogens we were talking about. So it's,
1: you really can't just target bloat. I know, it's so hard, though. It's a really unfortunate thing. Yeah, that you can't just target bloat. And it's actually interesting because, like, if you would have asked me a few years ago, like, what would be the most difficult thing to, like, change in my daily habits, I would have said food, just because, like, food is such a comfort for me and something that I, like, spent my entire life not thinking about and not prioritizing. And now that I have a handle on that, I'm like, oh, no, it's the stress. Like... (laughs) I can control my food intake.
2: Yeah, and I think that's just the natural health journey, and that's why I always try to remind people it's not going to happen overnight. First, you're going to find out stuff about your food. Then you're going to find stuff about your environment. Then you're going to find stuff about your beauty products. Then you're going to find stuff about your mood and your behaviors and your stressors. So it's you have to look at the big picture. It's just like you can't fix a rash. You have to fix what caused the rash. You can't fix bloat. You have to figure out what's causing the bloat. Um
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of it too, like we underestimate the signals that our body gives us in response to all of these things. And we've become... So out of touch with those signals and with our bodies like whether it's distraction or it's like suppression and we're just ignoring it and pretending like it's not there acting like it's normal whatever when like we have this natural intuition and like our bodies are brilliant like they're magical and they're telling us all the time stop doing that thing like stop putting that in me or on me or whatever. And so you talk um, specifically about like intuitive eating and how that can be really helpful, especially when we're trying to counter this like diet culture and all of that. So can you talk a little bit about what intuitive eating is and like what specific steps and questions people can ask themselves in order to implement intuitive eating?
2: Yes. So intuitive eating is really just eating how you intuitively know you need to fuel your body. And for most people... And even myself at one point, they're like, there's no way. It's always telling me Cold Stone. So <laughs> it's, it's like screaming. It's Cold screaming Stone. It Cold Stone. Stone. One speech. So it's that's, again, why mindset has to come first, because if you're someone that is constantly talking shit to yourself, That's not someone you want to listen to or constantly be in communication with. You know, Think of any time you've been in a conflict with someone or someone that you just don't jive with. You don't want to be near them. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to get in a conversation with them, and you're just trying to get away. So if you're that person for yourself, how are you going to talk? How are you going to communicate? So if your body is begging for protein, but you are constantly shutting down your body not wanting to listen to it because it's always saying such negative things you're not going to hear those cries for help Um, a perfect example is myself I was always thinking about food it was on my mind 24 7 because I was obsessed because I just was craving all the time I was on a blood sugar roller coaster I was having pastries for breakfast I was not talking nicely to myself and I studied abroad in New Zealand. I was absolutely alone. I didn't go with any friends. I was out there in the mountains with the sheep for six months and really just grounded myself. And I was a vegetarian practically my whole life. And when I went abroad, I was like, I think I want meat. Like I'm really craving meat. My body was just begging for protein. I hadn't eaten meat in almost 20 years at that point. And I just listened and I went home, came back, and had a rack of ribs and I've never turned back. <laughs> Whoa, that's awesome. It was just my body needed meat, And it, for so long, I was ignoring that because I was just, you know, telling myself that that's not what I do. That's not how I eat. I don't whatever all these stories. And when I really just let myself listen, I wanted protein and I did. I really needed it. So you just have to build a relationship with yourself before you can trust it that's with anything you know you want to build a relationship with a friend before you get into business with them you want to build a relationship with anyone before you go all in including yourself
0: 100 percent
2: um
1: and there was a two-part to that question yeah and then just like any questions or strategies that you give people in order to start having that conversation with themselves
2: yes so on top of the mindset i then ask people to not necessarily a food log but after they eat, write down how they feel. You know, am I tired? Am I? Do I want something sweet? Do I have energy? Do I want to go for a walk? Just what are the feelings that come from those foods? Because again, I want people to chase feelings, not outcomes and not diets. So if someone notices, oh, you know, I feel really good when I start my day with eggs um, versus Powerade. It's like, and you can't fault them for that, like. A lot of the times, even they are like, well, no, duh. But when you can visually or tangibly see that's how you felt versus not feeling good, you want to do more of that, that good thing.
0: So we always like to end our podcast talking about friendship a little bit. And one thing that can be difficult for people leading a lifestyle that is often seen as alternative quotes or really regimented like some of us are it can be difficult to have friends that don't have the same perspective as us so how do you manage those types of situations
2: I mean I don't like my real friends don't care what I eat nor do I care what they eat to an extent of course I would love all my friends to live to 200 with me but if they're not coming along for the ride (laughs) I can't force you in the ride um no but it's I mean, I have one friend, one of my best friends is a doctor, and we disagree on a lot of things. doesn't change how much fun we have. doesn't change how much we love and respect each other. We just have different perspectives, and we don't care, you know? The people that have cared, they're not around (laughs) anymore.
1: They're not able to see past it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. In general, when it comes to, like, friends and family, how have the different relationships that you have in your life and different friendships that you have either helped or hindered your health journey and general wellness? Yeah. So I definitely
2: growing up, I kind of bounced around friend groups. I always had different friends or different friends groups. Um, I didn't have like one core group. I was always bouncing around. And I think as I grew up, I started to kind of shed the groups and people that were fueling some of my bad decisions, whether it be food decisions, party decisions, um, self-talk decisions. And the more that you evolve, if they're not growing with you, sometimes it's just time to let them go. And it doesn't have to be a sit-down conversation. It doesn't have to be sad. It's just like we just aren't going to the same place anymore. So it kind of happens naturally. And then on the other hand, people that are in line and are on board it makes it really exciting. You know, it's so much more fun to have a friend that wants to do things you want to do. And luckily my boyfriend is my best friend and he's totally on board with everything. Like now he's like, Is there seed oils in this? Or no, I don't want to go to Colton, I wanna to go to Prest or like it's fun to have someone that aligns with you, you know? I I was always the early bird of my friend groups. I wake up at the crack of dawn and so when I had friends that would sleep until noon, I'm like I had a whole life without you. <laughs> I like, right. I've got a day under my belt. Now you want to hang out. So, it's it's just nice when people do align with your values and your lifestyle, but it's not a deal breaker. It's just a nice to have.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think the friend shedding thing is something that we don't talk about enough because friend like there's so much information out there and like there's so many examples in tv and movies and books and everything else of like romantic breakups and we don't put a ton of emphasis on friendship breakups and they're so real and And like so
2: hard and so 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 significant
1: especially like I think there's this idea and like people idealize having lifelong friends like since childhood and forever and I think that's great and I do have close friends like that that I've known and been close to since I was five six years old but I've also lost friends over the years that I thought were going to be forever too yeah those are the ones that hurt yeah and dealing with that is so difficult because there really is no roadmap like we kind of have an idea of what to do after like a breakup with a boyfriend, right? Like you've, you know, you eat the ice cream and you feel sad for a little bit and then you hang out with your friends and you have a good time and like, whatever, like there's, you know, like th- there's a route that you take <laughs> and then one day you wake up and you're okay. Right. I think it's fine. Yeah. But when it comes to friends, it's totally different. And you're like, totally how do you navigate different. this? What are the rules? Like, this is so bizarre. And I remember, I mean, I have really only had like one big one in my life. And I remember like when it happened, I was like, what do I do now? What do yeah. you do? it's crazy
2: I don't think any breakup has affected me the way that a friend breakup has yeah it's just it's different it's like what went wrong you know we weren't we didn't make promises to each other that Mm -hmm. we broke we didn't have a destination that we weren't
1: clear on like we were just what happened it's hard yeah we just ended up being different people and that's totally okay But it's hard to navigate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts differently.
0: What do you look for in a friend?
2: When you first invited me on a podcast, I binged all the episodes. So I've been anticipating this question. But (laughs) it was almost every single day my answer changed. I was like, okay, I know they're going to ask this question. That's a great question. Every day it's been something different. Right. So I guess I'm just going to have to go with whatever's in my head right now. Whatever Whatever it is. So I think the best thing to look for is someone that's, willing to accept that you're not a final product i think a lot of the friendship breakups that i have had were with friends who expected me to be a certain way forever so when i decided to change not even on purpose but just naturally we didn't align anymore so the friends that i have had through all of that they've accepted that you know you're not a final product you're gonna change i hope you change and that's the best possibility Um, and you want your friends to change as well you want everyone to grow for the better so I think someone that's willing to just accept this is not the final product
1: I love that me too one of my favorite Justin and I wrote our vows and my favorite one of mine was and also one that I kick myself for when it comes up is (laughs) is <laughs> is that it was something along the lines of like I understand that who you are today might not be who you are in the future and that I'm gonna love and accept all of the versions of you that come up in life and I think that we all should do that for everyone 100% that's great thank you so much for coming on today
0: thanks for having me it was so informative so and fun so knowledgeable
1: oh thank you all right have a great day bye guys